welcome back to this week's episode of The Exercise Engineer. This week is a Q&A session, so I put a question box on my story on my Instagram at The Exercise Engineer, and I've asked for all of your beautiful questions about what you struggle with the most with fitness, where you want to answer questions, etc., etc. So I'm just going to bash through some questions. I'm going to answer them the best that I can. Okay, let's get cracking. When it comes to meal prep for lunchtime, could you do some cold options as I aren't able to heat them up at work? Okay, so I have lots of recipe books at the moment. Uh, you can find those on either my website or my Instagram page. Uh, but my favorites, if yeah, if you can't heat them up at work, nice pasta salads that you can have cold. Um, I mean, pizza. I love pizza cold. <laughs> Might have. People might be disagreeing with me already there. Um, or most of the basic salads, wraps. You can make smoothie bowls. Uh, you can meal prep overnight oats if you prefer sweet things for your lunch. I think stir fries are also great cold. Uh, but yeah, mainly pasta stir fries. Nice sandwiches. Um, or it's just like a nice bagel if you have a toaster. Like some places you can't heat stuff up, but they have toasters. So nice bagel, and then you can take your toppings. Um, as your meal prep and then just put that on top like a nice um tuna mix or you know you know what i'm saying any tips on getting in your own head before going for a long run feel like i can overthink it which then makes me hate the run yes i totally get that um i used to get in my own head all the time when it comes especially when you're like mentally preparing for a long run you'd really do sort of put it off and then it's like oh god but what you need to do is making sure you've fueled properly. So you're like, yeah, my body is 100% ready for this. Um, just slow down in that first mile. Just take it easy. Just don't put any pressure on yourself to get a certain time. Unless you are doing some sort of time trial, then I recommend doing like a park run 5K as your time trial. Um, but for long runs, take the pressure off yourself for getting a certain time. Just Take that first mile really slowly, build into it. You can always speed up if you want to, whereas if you set off too quick, you're going to really impact the rest of the run and then you really won't enjoy it. Um, another tip, just know the route. So I used to do one of two routes when I was down in London, literally whichever way I turned on the river. So if I turned left, that was my 20 kilometer route because there wasn't another bridge until that 20 kilometer mark. Or if I turned right, that was my 10 or 12k route. So I was literally on autopilot. Knowing the route off by heart makes it so much less daunting to just run it. And then you're more likely to enjoy it because you're not trying to faff on working out if you know the route or have I made a wrong turn or anything like that. So definitely know the route that you're going to go do and then you can sort of pinpoint it as well and be like okay I'm a quarter of the way there okay we're halfway now okay nearly there also having multiple run distractions I think is really key because especially on a long long run if you're training for a marathon and you're up to over 15 20k up to 30k runs you don't really want the same entertainment or distraction for that whole time because I love listening to podcasts. I love listening to audiobooks. But once you've hit that two hour mark when you're running, it's like, right, I need a different form of entertainment now. So always have a couple of options 
Even if one of them is one of your options is just taking it all in and actually listening to nothing and or focusing on your breathing, or like I always have a podcast set up and then or like I always start with an audio book and then have a podcast ready for going in the background. Or I always plan um, that I'm going to do videos and I will run and answer questions. On, like I've, I've done a couple of reels like that as well. They're hard work though. I need to really mentally prepare for those bad boys because that is running and talking for the best part of two hours. So <laughs> I really, really focus on those. And just time limit, like like time block it. So if you've heard me, well, if you've listened to any of my other podcasts, you've probably heard me talk about Parkinson's law. And that is literally time blocking when you're going to get that run in. And if you don't set off at the time that you've time blocked it, then everything else in the day is going to fall behind. So it makes you really set off when you said you're going to, and then you won't overthink it. You'll just get on with it and be like, right, I need to go in five minutes, get changed, go. And then you don't sort of dither about it or overthink it or anything like that. So really, I know it's easier said than done. Try not to overthink it. Just set off, no pressure, at, like no pressure whatsoever. Just run and enjoy it. That is my top tip, especially for the long runs. Just enjoy them because you don't know when you might not be able to run again. I know that sounds morbid, but it's so, so true. Like I did a reel about this, but... There was a little old man that ran past me. No, he didn't run. I ran past him on my walk and he was walking with a walking stick and he shouted after me, I wish I could do that. And I was just thought, and I sort of like laughed it off as if he was joking. But then I thought afterwards, you know what? He's not joking. He is not joking. He genuinely wishes that he could run down the street like I was. So really appreciate it. And if you can move, if you can run, do it because it feels amazing and there's so many people out there who wish they still could do it. So really appreciate that. And if that's not good enough motivation to get you up and out, at least walking outside, then I've got no hope. Anyway, next question. Uh, how to balance work life and exercise without feeling guilty? I had a bad week with staying away and being stuck in meetings and I feel, felt guilty. Right, okay, you can't feel guilty when it comes to exercise because otherwise then you will put a negative like frame of mind on it. Um, it's all about reframing. So what can you do in that situation? Can you get some extra walks in on your lunch break before the meeting start after? Can, is there a gym as part of the hotel that you're staying in? Um, can you just take a resistance band next time and do some of my bodyweight workouts with just the resistance band? Like there are lots of different options, but it's understanding like what can you do in that situation. Uh, but definitely don't feel guilty, otherwise you will end up resenting your job or whatever's stopping you. Or maybe family members are taking up more of your time than you thought. And like don't feel guilty towards it because otherwise you'll end up resenting other things as well. Um, also asking yourself if this is your true priority because usually if it is your number one priority you will make time for it like I make time for my workouts like it is my priority I get them done in that day if I can't get them done straight away I will get it done slightly later on in the day but make time for the things that are your priority like it's it's more natural you will end up doing it so if it's not your priority that's absolutely fine other people have different priorities like Maybe you've got kids, like your job, 
everything else in life, there are other priorities. But if health is up there in your top three priorities, it should come quite naturally to help put it first. And if it's not, maybe have a think and it's like, okay, how how can we make it one of my priorities, one of my values? Um, it's not necessarily, it won't be everyone's number one value. And I totally get that. Obviously, it's up there for one of mine because it is literally my life. But yeah, just remember that you are doing the best that you can do with the resources that you have. And if you're not doing the best that you can do with the resources that you have, then why not? This is where reflection comes in and writing down stuff and trying to understand why things might not be going to plan. Um, And sometimes it does come down to your values and if health isn't up there, then that's absolutely fine. Um, but sometimes like you, you can put things in place. So if you know that something didn't quite go to plan one week, you can put things in place to make sure that would happen the following week or that wouldn't happen if it was something that went bad. So that again, that comes down to reflection and understanding what went well and what you can improve. I've gone into a lot of detail in another podcast, so I'm not going to delve any deeper into that. But Another question you might want to ask yourself is, do you need to reduce your goals? Like, I know that sounds mental because I'm always talking about making really hard goals, make something that excites you, but also for those people who hate being disappointed or if you don't achieve your goal, then they just fall off altogether. Those hard goals aren't necessarily for you because If you're feeling disappointed on a daily basis because the skills aren't where you want them to be yet or X, Y, Z, then you need to reduce your goals. And then remember to celebrate your little wins as well. Like that is so, so crucial to celebrate your little wins. The little hits of dopamine that you get from mini celebrations, like even something as simple as just ticking things off your accountability tracker. It's like, oh yeah, I did my workout today. Oh yeah, I hit 10,000 steps today. Tick. It's like, celebrate those little wins. Or like, oh, you lost two pound on the scales today. Tick it off. Oh my God, that dress that didn't hasn't fit me for three years. I managed to get the zip up today. Celebrate those wins. Like those are so, so crucial. And I love to hear about them. So if you have little wins like that, tag me in it on your stories, message me, DM me, because I love to hear it. Those are the things that keep me going as a coach. And honestly, you can't, there's nothing better than hearing that a client has fit into the dress that they wanted to fit in this whole time. Like it is, it sounds so minor, but it is, oh, it makes my day, honestly. So let me know these things, guys, because I absolutely love it. Um, Also, rest weeks and reload weeks are really, really important. So maybe if you, you go away with work, you do, you know that you do that once, every two months and but you go away for a whole week maybe you could have that as your deload week so you work really hard towards your goals for the for seven weeks and then you know you've got a rest week for that week and that could repeat as like a bit of a a bit of the plan that that you can use oh, i'm blabbering on crap there right but you can use those as rest weeks if you know that it's going to be a regular occurrence, but not too regular. If it's happening every other week, you need to come up with a different system of how you're going to prioritize your health. Make sure you get your steps in. Make sure you're somehow resistance training, even if that is taking a resistance band to the hotel room, things like that. 
because you like your body will still be repairing in those weeks if you do choose to take it as a rest day or a rest week. Um, so yeah, it's it's absolutely fine if it's not every week or every other week. Um, and then just focus on your steps if you can. Like within the breaks, a lot of like meetings and like those sorts of weeks, you do get breaks or like get out for a morning walk before breakfast and. Just try and if you get given the food as well, that's where a lot of people will end up tripping up because there's always there's so much. You get given so much food on those sorts of breaks because they're like, yeah, it's hotel and it's like buffet, buffet. But my top tips for buffet, and I can go into detail another time on this, but top tips, fill up your plate with high protein foods. That's usually the most expensive food anyway, so you definitely get any money's worth. So you don't feel like you need to eat seven plates. And lots of fruits, lots of vegetables. The more colour you can get on your plate, the better. That's all different nutrients. They're usually higher fibre foods as well, so they'll go deeper into your tract and help you stay fuller for longer until you've got your lunch. So try not to snack between those as well. And in the mini breaks, get your steps in instead of going to get another coffee and a biscuit. Top tips. Okay. I'm doing everything the same, but I've slowly been putting on weight. Is this the menopause? Ooh, good question. Okay, so I've heard this quite a lot that um, older ladies come to me and they haven't put on weight for about 10 years. And over the past couple of years, they've slowly put on weight, even though they haven't changed anything with their exercise or their food or anything. Um, a couple of things on that is if you are used to tracking, have you been tracking as, um, not severely, but as strictly? Because sometimes that can go off a little bit. Um, you can relax a little bit on your tracking and then that's when little things creep in and creep out and you think, oh, I'll just have a bit of that and then you forget to track it. Um, but to be fair, more often than not, it can be the menopause that will mean that you are putting on a little bit of weight, but that's not because it's just the menopause and you just put on weight no matter what. It's like the way that I describe it is you are walking forward from A to B and what the menopause does is just make it slightly harder. So if you are maintaining weight, the menopause just makes it slightly harder to maintain weight. So usually we end up putting on a little bit of weight when perimenopause does hit. Um, uh, it could also be to um, also the slight putting on weight that could be um, to do with when you're putting on um, if you're exercising and you haven't put on weight as such, but you might be losing muscle. So when menopause hits, our bone mineral density drops by about thirty percent because estrogen drops. Um, that's just a natural occurrence of the menopause, that's just what it does. Um, with the reduced reduction of muscle, that means our body naturally burns less calories, so you naturally need less. So if you've continued eating the same amount, that might be why you've slightly put on a little bit of weight because your body actually needs less. That's why it's so important if you're going through perimenopause or the menopause that you resistance train as well to make sure you are eating, um, to make sure you are building muscle or at least maintaining that muscle because the minute your muscle starts to drop, your BMR, which is your metabolic rate pretty much, that will drop as well. And if you continue eating the same, 
that will mean you do start to put on weight, even though your diet is probably absolutely fine compared to what you've done the rest of your life. But because you've got that reduction in muscle, your body actually starts to put on a little bit more fat instead. Um, if you are resistance training and if you are eating enough protein, your muscle mass will maintain. So that's really, really crucial. That's why we promote I said we. That's why I promote resistance training and high protein diets for anyone going through the menopause or just any any lady who is like even me. I'm not going through menopause yet, but the more muscle and stronger bones that I can build now, the better off I'll be when the menopause does hit because it will start to reduce slowly. But the higher my bone mineral density is by the time I hit menopause, the slower it's going to reduce because it's 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 got a higher starting point than someone who hasn't resistance trained at all. Saying that, if you haven't resistance trained since you were 20, that's absolutely fine. Starting now is the best thing that you can do if you don't already resistance train. So really, really crucial that if you are not resistance training, that you get on that ASAP, please. ASAP Rocky. If you need help with that, just DM me me, do whatever you want at The Exercise Engineer or contact me. My website is theexerciseengineer.com. You know where I'm at, okay? But things that you can do if you are going through the menopause, protein before bed, that has shown to help, like not necessarily through research, just through clients, just from people telling me um, because your body will digest that and help and that will help build your muscle or like maintain the muscle overnight as well. Um, we found that short burst workouts are much, much better than longer workouts. So if you are perimenopausal or menopausal, I would much prefer you did a 30 minute workout every other day instead of trying to do an hour workout twice a week. Like I would much prefer little 30 minute workouts throughout the week spread them out because your recovery rate reduces. So having those little ones more frequently will be much more beneficial to you. Um, after dinner walks, this applies to absolutely everyone. This is not just purely menopausal, but after dinner walks will help aid digestion. It'll help manage your glucose levels. So your blood sugar levels don't spike and then you get loads of cravings. And also it sort of creates a pause. So I don't know about you, but I very much like evening snacking or not necessarily snacking, but straight after my dinner, I do love dessert. And if I have it straight away and then don't plan anything for after dinner, I will just keep eating. And that is, that's so normal. It's so natural to want those after dinner snacks, especially if you're just sitting down watching TV, then it turns into mindless snacking. This is where the issue is. However, if you create a pause after dinner and go for a walk, when you get back, you're much less likely to crave food because you've created that pause and now it's like, right, okay, I'm ready for bed now. And then you go to bed and it's great. If you wanted to have a little snack before bed, again, like I said before, something high protein would be hugely beneficial to you. Um, but then, yeah, it's like a pattern interrupt if you put that walk straight after dinner because then your body doesn't end up craving that dessert that it's always used to having because we have created that habit. That's not just a natural thing. It's like, oh, we've had our savoury thing now. Let's have our sweet thing now. And it, 
that is just pure habit. That is all down to eating behaviors and stuff. And I covered that last week. And it's, it's so true. That is pure nurture of learning that we have dessert once we've had our men. And it's, it's mental. So, but you can untrain that by creating a pause, going for a walk, and then getting back and you realize you're not actually hungry anymore because digestion process has started and you've realized you are actually full. Um, strict fasting between meals, strict fasting. Um, this will help with the enjoyment of your meal as well because if you snack between meals, you don't ever actually feel that hungry. Um, whereas if you don't snack between your meals, you you do that hunger does build and it's like, oh yeah, I'm ready for my meal now. You're much more likely to enjoy it if you are hungry for it. And it sounds really obvious when you say it like that, but actually it's like, oh, yeah, if I, if I don't eat this snack now, I'm going to really look forward to that meal when it, when it comes to eating it. And you'll enjoy it so much more. And obviously, removing snacking will help with digestion as well. And it will help avoid mindless eating, which is what I was talking about before. Like if you're sitting at your office desk and you just do end up snacking, which is 100% normal, we all do it. If you don't focus on the fact that you are snacking, you have picked up something else to eat, or like if you do end up snacking, if you realize it's like, right, okay, you ask yourself the question, I am I hungry enough for an apple? If the answer's no, chances are you're not hungry enough and you're just bored from the office job. If you are hungry enough for an apple, then maybe like, oh, okay, fair enough. I am actually hungry. So do eat the snack if you realize you are hungry and not just bored, um, but focus on it enjoy that snack and actually focus on eating it and I know again that sounds really weird and almost obvious but most of us will sit there and just mindlessly snack at our desks and then we don't even realize we don't really process the fact we've just eaten maybe four or five hundred calories and it's like mm, that's a full quarter of my calorie intake for the day it's like oh okay but so you get you get you get the gist um, another thing you could do is journaling, so helping to find out what's most important to you, your values, again, like I spoke at the start, helping you to learn from your mistakes, um, noting mood fluctuations as well. That's a really good tip. If you think you are going through perimenopause or the menopause and certain foods are making you feel a bit wacky now and it's like, whoa, like blood sugar levels are through the roof or like your mood is really dipping and really skyrocketing, noting down your mood fluctuations throughout the day and then looking at what you ate just before that or if you were really hungry or maybe you were just thirsty and any symptoms that you're having as well, just making sure you are writing them down so you can sort of reflect on it and think, right, okay, that food made me go a bit loopy. Let's, let's see if I don't eat that tomorrow, at the same time, will I still get that mood slump or what, whatever it is, whatever that you, it is that you wrote down your symptoms. But one more thing just on menopause, make, like give yourself a good hour a day just to focus on you, focus on yourself. Because when you do focus on yourself, you prioritize yourself for even just an hour, I would say on a morning. So you set yourself up for the day. It's so much better and you will show up so much better for everyone else because you need to fill up your cup first before you can feed other people. 
it's so, so beneficial. Just one hour of alone time of doing something for you, if that is getting up and going for a run just on your own, getting up and doing the workout on your own. Like, it's great to get other people involved, but sometimes what we need is just an hour to ourselves to focus on us, to focus on our health. Put yourself first and almost be like, yes, this is, this is what I want to do with my hour. Make it your golden hour and really focus on it throughout the day. And just fill up your cup before serving others because you'll show up so much better if your cup is full first. That's why I recommend doing something on the morning. So that is your golden hour, gals. Get on it. Okay, next question. Creatine. I'm in a sort of fat burn, fat loss phase. Is creatine useless in this sort of area? I'm not sure what my target weight is. I've been aiming for nine stone for about five months now. Focus has mainly been on feeling and looking strong and confident. Okay, so creatine, let's start with that. So it is the most researched supplement out there. It is safe. Like a lot of people look at it and think, oh, what is it? It's like this weird white powder. It does look a little bit weird. I think you can get it in tablet form as well if you'd prefer. I just mix mine with my protein shake. Literally three to five grams is all you need. Um, probably not even that much. Um, just about three grams. Um, it is. It, it helps. It's like cellular energy production. So if you like picture a water bottle full if you've got creatine in your muscle, that is what your muscle will feel like, a full water bottle. If you don't take creatine, it's like a half-empty water bottle that you can sort of squeeze. Um, that's the best way I can sort of describe it. Um, so the presence of creatine in your muscle is the same as like pressing down on a water bottle if it's empty or if it's full of water. It's much more saturated. But it's so yes, you will put on weight if you start to take creatine. But that's because it's like intercellular water in your muscle. Like, so that will increase in weight, but you need to remember that that's not fat. That's just the water that's been stored in your muscle. So it can be quite scary watching the weight, your weight go up on the scales. But what you need to remember is that is not fat. Let's not panic about that. It will only help to increase performance. You might look better. Um, it helps with cognitive function. It benefits the continuation of your strength. It's power related. Um, it increases lean mass. With Obviously, with resistance training, you can't just take creatine and it will create muscle. You need to still pair it with resistance training and enough water and enough protein as well. Um, don't only get the creatine monohydrate. Don't worry about the creatine hydrate. Um, but what I would say when it comes to creatine is try it. I recommend using it every day for about a month and then sort of get it into your system. Just try it. It's, it's not going to benefit like um, negatively impact anything but just see how you feel with it uh, but yeah definitely make sure you're drinking enough water with it that is one thing I will say need to stay hydrated with it and then yeah pairing it with resistance training and protein super super beneficial um, like I said right at the start it is the most researched supplement out there there is loads of research on it if you can literally google it um, careful which sources you are looking at 
But yeah, if you, if you want more information on that, just message me and I can send you the right papers. Do you feel guilty if you miss a workout? I definitely used to. I used to feel really, really guilty, but I, I don't try and feel guilty anymore. Like if I miss a workout, it's usually a very good reason why I've missed it. Um, I am very, very consistent when it comes to working out. Um, even if I just squeeze in a 20 minute workout, it's still better than nothing. Even if I squeeze in a 20 minute run around the block, as long as I'm getting like my daily pull-ups in, um, even if, yeah, even if you'd literally do 10, 10 pull-ups, 10 press-ups, 10 pull-ups, like 10 press-ups, anything is better than nothing. And that's what I sort of think, that's the way I think of it now. Um, but yeah, I used to feel really, really guilty. My, my focus has sort of changed onto more health now instead of trying to be as ripped as possible, showing my abs and everything like that. It's, it's very more health focused now. And if I've missed a workout, it's usually because either my body is extremely fatigued and I needed to miss a workout or I've got other plans like I'm flying to Australia soon. So obviously I'm not going to be able to work out for the best part of 23 hours while I'm on the flight. So I'm not going to stress about that. I <laughs> Probably if that was this time last year I w or maybe two years ago, I'd have been stressing, been like, oh my God, how am I going to do it? I am slightly concerned that I won't even be able to get my steps in. But I'm just going to have to get over that because I'm moving to bloody Australia. How cool is that? So get a grip, Louise. Move on. Um, what's your morning routine? Great question. I love talking about morning routines. Okay, so I'll talk my, my previous routine. So when I was working as a site engineer in London, my morning routine was alarm goes off at 20 past five. I film a workout, um, had my protein shake, did my daily pull-ups, had a cold shower, got ready for work, walked to work, which was half an hour, and then had my breakfast at work about eight o'clock by the time I'd checked my first emails and stuff. My current morning routine, uh, while I've been at home in the middle of moving from London to Sydney for a year, so I've come home for... A week and a half and my morning routine here has been slightly different it's a little bit more mismatched but I've got up at half six most mornings to run mum to work she cycles to work so I've just been running next to her instead and then I run back and that's about a 10k so I've been doing 10k most mornings I come back then by that point it's light enough to film a workout in the conservatory so I filmed a workout for my train with Lou membership can't, can't be dropping those those will be continuing throughout. Um, so yeah, I uh, filmed the workout. And then a couple of the times this week, I've gone to body pump with dad, or we've gone out for a coffee, or I have breakfast, sit down, do some work. I've had a lot of meetings. But yeah, the morning routine has been very different um, while being here. And that's just, yeah. Um, what else? That's pretty much it here. Um, if I'm doing 10K plus steps a day whilst on holiday, should I feel guilty for not doing all the workouts? Absolutely not. You're on holiday. Like, it obviously, it depends how long you're there. If you're going on holiday for like six months, then I would recommend that you still get in at least three workouts a week if you can. Um, but yeah, two to three per week is still amazing, uh, plus all the steps that you're doing. So as long as you're getting your steps in, 
Um, it depends how you're feeling. Like sometimes on holiday, I love to do the workouts, but that's just because it makes me feel better. It sets me up for the day as long as I'm getting my steps in, fueling my body well, still eating high protein foods. Uh, but yeah, no guilt allowed whatsoever. Remember, it's probably water weight that you're putting on, not fat. So definitely don't panic. When you come back from holiday, one of my top tips is not to weigh yourself straight away. Give yourself five or six days after the holiday to then focus on reducing the water weight, flushing the water weight back out, and then you can step on the scales and realize, oh, maybe I only put on one pound of fat. Whereas if you stood on the scales straight away, you might really panic because you may have put on up like half a stone. And that is easily done. That is <laughs> like water weight is amazing. And remember, you've probably eaten higher volume foods. Um, so you're actually holding more food still in your stomach. They're usually higher in sugar, um, higher in salts as well. So higher carbohydrates, that just means you're holding on to more water as well because the stored glycogen in your muscles will hold on to that water. And that's all absolutely normal. So really don't panic if you have put on weight on holiday. It's pretty normal. It's pretty normal because you're going from eating the foods that you're used to eating to even like bloating from eating foods that you're not used to eating. And that is more than enough. So my top tip for that is keep moving, um, getting your steps in every day. If you do want to do the workouts, that's great, but don't feel guilty if you can't. Swim more, get more stuff done, like all the activities that you can do on holidays. Maybe you want to go on bike rides, go for more swims, learn how to surf. There are so many other things you can do activity-wise on holiday to make sure you are still moving your body. So really focus on those things and focus on enjoying yourself. Don't go out there thinking, oh my God, I need to go to the gym every day because Louise told me to. No, enjoy it. How much do you drink per week? Um, I don't actually know. Is that drink alcohol or drink water? I'll go through them all. So water, I have at least like three liters of water a day. I do drink quite a lot. Um, alcohol wise, some weeks I go without drinking any alcohol. I do enjoy a nice glass of wine if I'm going out for tea um, or a nice glass of champagne or Prosecco, really treat myself. Coffee-wise, I probably have one a day, probably average it out to one a day because some days I don't have any, some days I have two. Cheeky, cheeky. Okay, how to put how to dot dot morning workout. Uh, what, how to transition from evening workouts to morning workouts. If you fill your evening so that your only option is to do it in the morning, then you will get it done in the morning. I would go gradually. So if you're used to doing a full hour on an evening, maybe try transitioning to just doing half an hour workouts on a morning and then slowly increasing that so you don't go from waking up at 7 a.m. to feel like you have to wake up at 5 a.m. to make sure you get your whole workout in. Move it back gradually. Um, make it your non-negotiable for the day. So one of my favorite tools for actioning things is to create non-negotiables. So you literally have one non-negotiable every day and there is no negotiation with that. So maybe three times a week, you make your non-negotiable for the day, your morning workout. So you literally have to get up and do it. Um, other top tips, um, get one of those Lumi lights that'll wake you up naturally. That will help get you out of bed instead of like an awful alarm that'll like 
wake you up in the worst way possible. Um, and then also try and like create the habit of actually getting up. So maybe you don't leave your phone, phone next to you. Maybe you have to get out of bed to turn your alarm off. All those little things. Um, planning the night before. So getting your workout stuff out and ready so you are literally ready to go straight away. I would recommend any of that. The more that you can plan the day before, the better, because then you will you're less likely to sack it off because it's it's all out. It's all there ready for you to just go, yes. One thing I will say on morning workouts is the first 10 minutes, really, you're still a bit half asleep. So you don't even feel the first 10 minutes. So that is also true. And especially if you're working out at home, like I literally used to do it in my pajamas. I've said that before and I am not ashamed. So again, love that. Um, okay. I think those are all the questions from today. I just wanted to go through a couple of weekly wins um, from a few of my clients on my six-week program at the moment. Um, one of them put, I had, I have so many. I upped my kettlebells. I'm in a smaller bottoms. I got a massive compliment from my hubby-to-be. Love that one. Um, strength training progressions. Um, another one was that I've managed to run eight kilometers and still improving my runs each week. Love that. Another one, hit my steps and calories every day this week. That is sensational. I just, I love seeing like the weekly wins from my clients, my members. It is, oh, it's just so inspirational and I love promoting it. And oh, I feel so passionate about it when they're enjoying it. Like it, it's, it's more reassuring to me as well that it's like, yes, I am doing the right thing here. <laughs> so it's all good. If you did want to be part of one of my programs, check out theexerciseengineer.com, message me. I will show you the best option. There is an application form as well that you can just fill in and I will allocate you what I think is the right thing for you, whether it's one-to-one -one coaching or my six-week program. Any of those, I'm sure I will lead you in the right direction. If I don't think I can help you, I will forward you to someone who definitely can. So it's a win-win situation. It's a win-win situation. If you have enjoyed this podcast, uh, please forward it. Please share it to one person, just one person that you think would benefit from hearing this podcast. And if you want to be part of my next six-week program, you know where to find it on theexerciseengineer.com. And if you want to get involved with the questions that I answer on my next Q&A podcast, keep an eye out for the story box on my story on Instagram and Facebook. So yeah. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Please rate, review. It makes such an impact. And again, share it to one person that you know that would benefit. Okay, thank you, guys. Love you. Bye.